You know, several years ago, uh, it was roughly this time of year, I received an unusual phone call from uh, Nancy Ortberg. Some of you know who Nancy Ortberg is. She's the wife of John Ortberg. He's the author, and at the time, he was the pastor, one of the pastors on the staff of Willow Creek Community Church. And uh, Nancy was on staff at that time as well, and she was scheduled to be a guest speaker for us at a leadership retreat that was, at that time, you know, just a few days away. And when she called me, she had an unusual request. She said, uh, Greg, she said, can I come and speak at the retreat in sweatpants? I'm not going to be styling my hair. Uh, no jewelry. I'm going to leave all that at home. I'm not even going to put any makeup on. Um, and here's the thing. I don't really want you to explain to everybody what I'm doing. And I said, well, you know, Nancy, that's fine. We're going to be a retreat center. But could you explain to me what you're doing? You know, why, why, uh, why uh, all of these uh, limitations and so forth? And she said, well, I'm, the truth about me is, she said, I'm too concerned with my appearance. You know, what people think of me, you're trying to impress people by the way I dress and come across and this, this sort of thing. And she said, I'm just, I've just been in recent weeks dressing and grooming myself in a very understated way and just doing that for a couple more weeks. And it's a humility cultivation kind of thing that I'm doing. I'm just trying to help my Spirit come to peace with the fact that I don't have to look perfect in order to be okay and for God to use me and for me to be his child. And it's a humility kind of thing. Now, to some of you this morning, I describe that and you say, that's interesting and weird all at the same time. Some of you is what it goes through your mind. But uh, I think it'll make a little more sense as you listen to the entirety of what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. If you have your Bible, open it with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you happen to turn to the passage I was in a few moments ago, that was Matthew 10. Matthew 6, just four chapters back. We're in a series that's entitled, Help Me to Understand Holiness, is what uh, you know, the series that we're in. Uh, holiness is one of the great needs, probably the great need of our culture and our nation at this time. It is the foundation of all healthy society, healthy family, healthy, healthy self-esteem and dignity, self-worth. It is the foundation of all freedom for nations. A holy society is a free nation. An unholy society is what? A nation that's in bondage and the slave of all manner of corruption. And so we've been in this series, Help Me Understand Holiness. And today we're focusing on this, uh, this theme, Holy People Practice Humility. Because this is, this is one of the traits, one of the character traits of somebody who's holy is that there's humility present in their lives. And most of us have an idea of humility. We agree with that idea to some extent that, that uh, practicing humility is a good thing. But the truth about most of us, I mean, even those of us who've been walking with God for a long time, you know, we have this tendency to reflexively think, if, if, if I'm going to be humble, though, that means that I'm going to be taken advantage of. That means that, uh, that I'm going to be cheated and overlooked. It means that life's probably not going to be fun because I'm going to be last in line all the time. We, we, we think to ourselves, it's, life's just going to be hard. And if we could just peel away all of our arguments and all of the... the the resistance that we have to this whole idea, what really lies at the bottom is why on earth would I want to practice humility? Why? Why would I want to do this? I know it's good. God, help me want to. This is where we come from. 
So for the next few minutes, we're going to focus our thoughts together on three reasons that the Bible instructs us to practice humility. Reasons that if you and I can get through our minds and our, into our souls, can help us to head in the direction of humility. Because let me just tell you, you were made to be humble. I was made to be humble. I, I, if I had time and had enough doctors with me, I think I could argue the case that pride is not healthy for your body. Humility is. I mean, every one of these virtues has physiological implications, has spiritual implications. We just don't associate all this stuff in our culture because we're a secular culture. We, we don't want to associate these things because suddenly it means there's right and wrong. Okay? This is the way the world operates. We don't want, to, so because we're in denial of that, that there's right and wrong, well, then there can't be any association with virtuous living and my health and well-being. But I would argue that God who made you, made you to live this way. And you live this way, and it has health benefits. It has relational benefits. It has societal benefits. It, it, on, on so many, it has sleep benefits. It has lots and lots of benefits. And so for the next few moments, we're going to look at three reasons that the Bible instructs us to practice humility. The first reason is communicated by Jesus right there in that passage I ask you to turn to, Matthew 6. And starting in verse 1, if, if you look there with me just for a few moments, uh, according to, to Jesus, if we practice humility, we're going to receive an eternal reward. You start seeing that really quickly in uh, verse 1 here. It says, watch out, don't do your good deeds, Jesus says, publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Keep reading with me. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they'll ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private. Some translations say in secret. And your father who sees everything, what's he say? will reward you. When you pray, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, Jesus says. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private and secret. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Skip down to verse 16. When you fast, he says, now let me just pause for any of us who maybe don't know. Fasting, you know, is uh, not terribly common in our culture, but fasting is basically where you abstain from food, right? Abstain from food. I mean, we, we like in our day to like say, well, I'm fasting from Netflix. This is how, this is how we think of, okay? I'm fasting from Netflix. No, that, that's not, let me just be real honest. I mean, that, that's a principle. It's not fasting, it's fake fasting. Can I say that? It's fake fasting. Real fasting is when you fast from food. Food. Or if you see in a few instances in Scripture, you're fasting from water and food. Try that for a couple of days, and that'll get your attention, really. But this is, this is fasting, okay? It's not fake fasting. So it's fasting from food, abstaining from food, and without getting off on that too much. He's just, which I already have, I'm sorry. Uh, when, when you fast, Jesus says, he goes on, he says, don't make it obvious. Don't make a big deal of it, as the hypocrites do. 
for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. It's like there's a big parade, a big show of fasting is what they're doing here, Jesus is saying. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, did you notice that the word reward shows up a few times in this passage? I mean, it litters these verses. It shows up a lot in these verses because when you and I are charitable, when we pray, when we fast, and we do that in a humble manner, according to Jesus, there's an eternal reward that our Heavenly Father reserves for us. There's a blessing, a reward that comes with with these things, with doing virtuous acts. As Jesus says, he begins with verse, verse 1. He just says, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly. And he starts illustrating. He's not limiting it to just, you know, prayer and charitable giving and fasting. He's not limiting those kinds of good deeds. He's saying that any good deed can be corrupted and be done either out of, out of a place of humility in one's spirit or for, you know, attention and admiration and applause of people And he's just saying, if you do it with a humble spirit, God notices. And in fact, he really notices when it's done in private. When it's sort of you, and you're doing it, and nobody else knows, nobody else sees. Which is good news for some of us, because some of us, the things we do are just not not on a platform with lights and the attention of people noticing what we do. In fact, that's most people. And I think Jesus is saying, if that's the kind of service that you offer to people or in his kingdom, God notices and your reward is great. Now, we like that idea. We're grateful for that idea. We don't exactly know what the reward will be. I mean, we know heaven is kind of that idea, you know, eternal life is that idea. But beyond that, it's kind of like we're, we're it's, it, it's a little hard to get our minds fully around that, even if you know the scriptures. But, but you know what goes through some of our minds when we think about this whole idea of receiving an eternal reward for, for being humble? We, we, we think to ourselves, I, I appreciate an eternal reward, but the truth is right now, I need a little help right now. I need a little help from God right now. He'd got in my marriage and he got in my finances or in my health or my kids' lives. And you need to remember that the second reason we're instructed in Scripture to practice humility is so that we can receive God's help now. This is an underrated, underrecognized reason for why we need to embrace humility. We need God's help now. Repeatedly, the Bible tells us that God acts on behalf of the humble. Just a a few verses along this line, just to, just to make my point and help you wrestle with this a little bit. And you, if you want to write the verses down, you can. Psalm 25, verse 9, the Lord, Scripture says, The Lord leads the humble in doing right, and He teaches the humble His way. You ever needed God's leadership in your life? Would you like Him to teach you His ways, how He looks at His perspective on life, how you ought to look at your world, how you ought to look at your family? Would you like those kinds of things? Those are all made available by God to the humble. The proud miss all of that. 
Well, they come to their conclusions, but their conclusions, not necessarily God's conclusions of, of how you ought to live your life. His, his leadership is, is often vacant and missing from their lives because they don't have the humility of spirit to hear and receive. Humility will help you now. Psalm 69 verse 32 says this, The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. It's just a promise to the humble. He's just saying that we're going to see God's hand at work. We're going to recognize, we're going to see God show up in places that we would otherwise miss because pride, because self-interest, other motivations, other character things would just blind us to what's really going on. But the, but the humble will see God at work. And notice it says, and be glad. There's gladness and joy and confidence that comes with seeing God's hand. It sort of says, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. Psalm 147, verse 6 says, The Lord supports, lifts the humble, but he brings the wicked down into the dust. It's just like, do you you feel like you just need God to kind of cradle you, support you, lift you, help you? This is what he's saying here. It's, It's the inheritance of the humble. It's 149, verses 4 and 5. The Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. This is the picture, the whole idea of crowning the humble here. It's, the, it's an Olympic picture, really, if you, if you had the time to, to do the research on the word and everything. It's, I mean, the Olympics are coming, you know. They're not going to be here, before, not be too much longer until they're here. You remember the Olympic contestant wins, you got the gold medalist, the silver medalist, and the bronze medalist, and they stand on a little platform, and, and in our day, you bend down and you get a, get a gold uh, a medal that you, uh, or, or silver or bronze medal as a, as a reward in their day. I mean, you got a crown. It's basically, a, it wasn't a crown like the king wore, but I mean, you wore, you were given a crown, a perishable wreath, but it was nonetheless... Uh, Adorned uh, beautifully, and it was something that everybody recognized that, that you were somebody noble, somebody special. You, you had won this contest. And so, th- this is the picture that the Lord delights in his people and he crowns, it's the idea, the humble with what? Victory. I don't know about you, but I like to win. Any of you like to lose? You like to lose board games? Come on. None of us. None of us likes to lose. Nobody wants to go around with a great big L, loser, on our forehead. Nobody. Nobody in our day. Jesus is saying, I mean, the scriptures are saying here, that God delights in his people and he crowns the humble as winners. They're victorious. If you like to win, God's saying, choose humility. Choose humility. Isaiah 29, verse 19. The humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. The poor will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Need more joy in your life? 
Does this not run totally counter to how we think? Our natural inclination is to think humility is not going to make me joyful. It's, it's good. It's good. i got to gut it out. No, he's saying it will bring fresh joy to your life. This is just the extent to which we have believed a lie about something God intended that was good for us. Humility. One more. Matthew 5, verse 5. Jesus says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit... Say it with me. The whole earth. I mean, the inheritance of the humble is the whole earth and not the messed up one that we've got right now, but a brand new one. It's going to be made perfect, no longer marred by pride and evil. The humble will be the ones that God will entrust. The oversight of a new heaven and a new earth. I could... I could parade a number of other passages like these for you. But according to Scripture, the humble receive God's help and blessing now, and hear me, and in the future. It's not just a future thing. It's a now and in the future. And the Bible gives us a third reason to practice humility, and that is so that we can become more like Jesus. Now you kind of say, what's motivational about this? I want you to think about it. Do you realize that sin came into the world because, God, because the serpent, remember what he said to Adam and Eve? He said, you will become, if you eat the tree from the forbidden fruit, what will happen? You will become like God. I mean, this was, this was the, the first temptation. And I could argue that if you, you read all the stuff about artificial intelligence right now, what's that, what's that about? It's, about? it's about suddenly all of this becoming like God. I mean, read it and just, just see if this is not true. Mankind has been, always will be till Jesus returns, obsessed with the whole idea of being like God. Here's the great spiritual cosmic irony of it all. That is your destiny. It's yours, it's mine, to become like God. What do you mean by that, Greg? If you and I will choose humility, we will become like God is in nature, in spirit. Philippians 2, verses 5 and following says, this is the way to get there. You you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is a huge, very important passage. You've got to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This This was your destiny. This is mine. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The passage goes on and then describes all of those humble passages that we read a few moments ago start coming into play even as it pertains to Jesus. Because verse 9 says, Therefore God elevated him, exalted him, some translations say, to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible is saying here that there's really only one who's truly humble, and he didn't cling to his position or his privileges or his reputation. He died to self so we could live with him and for him, and if we will follow him in his footsteps, we can become more like him 
humble and good. The foundation of all goodness is humility. The failure of all goodness is the failure of humility. It's pride, self-sufficiency, self-assurance. That's why the Bible over and over again calls us to pursue humility. It's the path to a blessed life. It's our destiny. The evil one knew it in the garden. And so he tempted us with the very thing that he knew was our inheritance. To go a wrong path. Thankfully, Jesus tells us the secret to becoming humble in Matthew 6. If you look at verse 1 one more time and just listen carefully to what he says. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds. Don't, you know, think about the good deeds. I mean, don't do your charitable giving. Don't, don't pray. Don't fast. Don't, don't serve others. Don't, you know, whatever good thing that you could do, whatever good thing you do, don't do your good deeds, Jesus is saying. How? Publicly. Don't do them you know, with grandiose fanfare in public. To be admired by others. You're not looking for the applause of people. Don't do things to be recognized. Don't do things to impress others. He's just saying, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. Now hear this. You will lose your reward eternal on some level. I mean, there's some aspect of what we... Maybe not your salvation, but there's... There's part of this reward that, is, that comes with humility that, that you can lose. That's what he's saying. And you certainly lose the reward of his blessing right now, his help right now. So don't do that, Jesus is saying. Watch out. Beware. Instead, in the verses that follow, he goes on to say, do those good deeds, whatever good deeds you're doing, privately, secretly, to be seen and rewarded by God. Let me just pause and say, this is, this is how you and I cultivate humility in our spirits. Is <coughs> to do good privately, secretly. It's not to say that there's no reward for God from God if we do something public. You have to understand, that's not what he's going at here in the passage. He starts out talking about you know, those who are you know, doing all this with grandiose fanfare and for the applause and approval of others. And he's basically saying, you know, that, that's not the path to walk. You do that and you lose your reward. If we had time, we could work our way through Scripture. We could look at Barnabas who gave lands and fields to the church. And Did he lose his reward? No. I mean, everybody knew that he did. It's in the Bible. Think about that. I mean, if, if we lose our reward simply because somebody knows about it, well, then there's a whole bunch of people in Scripture that it wasn't a good thing that their, that their testimony of their life was there. 
you with me? You see, it's, it's an absurd thinking that kind of gets twisted in our heads. Because so, some of us kind of go, oh, I can't let anybody know anything that goes on. It's good that I did because if I do, I'm going to lose my reward. No. Loopy thinking. Okay? Loopy thinking. I'll think of a better adjective later. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is, why are we doing it? Am I doing it to be admired? To be applauded? <laughs> Am I even doing it because it makes me feel good? I feel good. Is that why I'm doing it? Is that why? That's weak at best. If we want to cultivate humility, we need to do good privately, secretly, and it will grow humility in us. This is part of why Nancy didn't want me to say anything about what she was doing. That was the, that was the clincher part of it. She had to deal with however people responded to her. Thanksgiving and Christmas are approaching. We were going to put something in one of the Salvation Army red kettles. We were going to do that. How might we want to go about doing that? Should we bring the glee club with us? No. I, that, that's what Jesus is driving at. He's saying, just, just don't, don't make a big fanfare of it. You know, don't, don't come up to the kettle and you know, you're, you're blocking the path. I've got to get my money out here. And so we're pulling all this out and you know, we're, we're putting $100 and $1 bills in the thing. <laughs> You know, the draw, and I know that's absurd, but there are people who do that kind of thing. I mean, it's just, maybe not that absurd, but I mean, they do stuff that you go, whoa, that's weird. Ask anybody who's been one of the kettle watchers <laughs> some of the dramas that unfold right before them. You know, it's, or, or somebody who shows up and throws, you know, you know, 50 cents that was leftover change from what they bought as though they're donating, you know. Warren Buffett's bank account. You know, it's, it, it, this is it's not the way to go at it. Don't do that. Jesus is just saying, you lose, lose the whole point. You miss the point. You're, that's not going to be rewarded. The only reward you get out of that is the fact that everybody watched you and thought, wow, look at that person. When the truth of the matter is most of them looking and going, wow, look at that person. That's really what's going on. We need to practice humility. God will notice. God will reward us. Be quiet about it. Be gentle about it. Be, be silent about it. You want to take it to a higher... Just don't tell anybody. Just don't. In fact, sometimes that will help you realize the extent to which you and I struggle with humility. Is it? Because we find ourselves wanting to tell somebody, you know. That's the path to growth and holiness is being quiet about these things. Maybe some of us need to take a, a page from Nancy Ortberg's playbook. We need to be less concerned with appearances. What people think. We, we not try so hard to impress others with our clothes or our language or our cars or our houses or our vacations or our kids or whatever it is that maybe is your thing that your thing that you try to impress people with and we need to commit to a season for dressing for humility instead of dressing for success you know what i mean it's an old cliche but 
Remember? Maybe we need to pay attention to what we post on Facebook. What do you mean? Have you ever noticed how there are some people who post on Facebook to encourage, and there's some people that you get this sense that I, I think they post all that stuff because they're trying to shape people's opinion of their home. It's like they're posting stuff so that, so that they look good to everybody else. Maybe we just need to take a posture with Facebook or some of the other social media platforms. And just, just be an encourager. Go a week and post nothing but like a lot of stuff. See how it feels. Just posture of humility. So many opportunities for this kind of thing. But I just want to ask you, is the Holy Spirit prompting you of anything that he might want you to do? That might help humility to grow in your spirit and in the process holiness stretch and grow in you. You and I were made for that. I have this closing thought for us. Um, the path to holiness and humility is all about choosing to live for the applause of heaven rather than the praise of people. That's really what it's about. Let's devote ourselves to choosing that path that leads to blessing now and forever. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. Glad that you made it today. And um, maybe some of us where we need to start this morning is just humbling our hearts before God. You just need to look heavenward and just say, Lord Jesus... I humble myself before you. You're good. I'm not. You're, you're humble. I'm not. Fill me. Cleanse me. Make me yours. If that's you this morning, just look heavenward and cry out to God from your spirit for that. He will meet you there. He will help you become like him because that is, in fact, your destiny. To be character-filled and good like he is. He wants that for you. That's why he gave us this book. That's why Jesus came, God with flesh on. Just invite him. He'll meet you there. Let's bow our heads and pray, and we'll be dismissed. And if any of you got things you'd like for us to pray about, we'll hang around down front here and pray for you, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for every single person here. Thank you for those listening in today via the live stream. And just ask God that your spirit would have mercy on us and that you would fill us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on a cross. You emptied yourself of your ambitions, your wants, even your physical needs. You gave up your life that we might have the opportunity at life now and eternal. Thank you for reconciling us to the Father. Thank you for making a way of escape from the sinful world in which we live possible. Now would you help us, Lord Jesus, to choose your way. Help us to die to self and choose to live for you. Help us to place your values, your ways ahead of our own and recognize that on some level this is the essence of what it is to be humble. It's 
to esteem you as higher, as wiser, as smarter, as on every level more intelligent and advanced beyond our comprehension. We are forever the learner. You are forever the teacher because you are all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving. And it is truly an astonishing thing to think that you took upon yourself flesh and suffered as you did that we might learn humbly your ways. Help us, God. We need your help. Every one of us. Our nation. So, Lord, as we leave this place, help us to remember the things we've talked about. Help us to put you first, to put others first, to not live for the admiration, the approval of others, but to live for the applause of heaven. And we'll give you credit for the good that happens because you'll be bringing it into our lives. Father, would you go with us now? Empower us. Help us to be faithful. It's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer. Everybody agreed with me and said? Amen. Amen. Bless you all.